Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for joining me. My name is Tim Wheaton with MMA Sucka, and we're going to be covering off some of the UFC 276 action. Was it a boring fight? Was it a masterclass? What's next for Max Holloway? Uh, what's going on with Sean and Pedro Munios? All that good stuff. So this is the MMA Sucka weekly podcast. Usually, it's myself or Fraser Crone here on the show, but he is gone, and I'm sure when he comes back, he will have lots to say on, uh, you know, fun things like eye pokes and detached corneas and all that sort of stuff. So I was away for a couple of weeks, and now I'm back and recovering UFC 276. When I was out traveling, I missed some of the best fights in history. My full-time job, you have to understand, is covering fights. And I was away during some amazing fights in history. Fights like Tenshin Takeru, Sarukian Gamrot, and Teixeira Prohashka. Just fights that I caught later on and wasn't able to talk about or write about. But I was excited and loved to talk about every single one. But while I have you folks, appreciate your time. Let's break down UFC 276. Israel Adesanya was able to defend his title against Jared Cannonier. A lot of people are criticizing these two gentlemen for it being a boring fight. Was it a boring fight? Yes, but let's talk a little bit about what that means. So uh, Israel is taking all the heat on this one, getting blamed. And other people are saying like, hey, there's two guys in there. That's right. It does take two people to make a fight. Uh, Jared Cannonier didn't have any ability to capitalize. He didn't have any setups that were working. Israel Adesanya, I mean, also had the same thing. He didn't really have anything that was working for him. Uh, He was just kind of playing some light sparring here and there, and it ended up being a boring fight. Does being a boring fight affect your legacy? No, not really. Like That's the thing. Fighters are under no obligation to actually entertain us, but as a person who watches the sport for entertainment, I like to be entertained. But for Israel... Why would he take that risk when his pay doubles if he wins? If you could do something now in your job that would increase your pay by 100%, would you do it? Yeah, you probably would. I would too. Israel Adesanya accrues to a decision, gets paid 100% more by doing so, and his legacy is safe. A lot of people are trying to say like, no, this actually wasn't a boring fight. You just don't know what you're watching. It was a technical masterclass. Listen. I get what you're coming at. You can defend Israel. You can like Israel and still say that this was a boring fight. That's a perfectly okay thing to do. Look, I'm a fan of Georges St. Pierre. I'm willing to admit that he had mostly boring fights for most of his career and his legacy wasn't affected by that. Uh, It's a perfectly okay thing to criticize some of your favorite fighters. You don't have to stand by your favorite fighters 100%. That's a completely appropriate and mature thing to do. Um, It does take two people to make a fight. You're under no obligation to defend your favorite fighter. And let me use on being a boring fighter and trying to defend these people or, or trying to tell me that I don't know what I'm watching because I'm saying it's boring and you're saying it's a technical masterclass. Do hardcore fans of music listen to shitty music? Of course not. They listen to nothing but good music. I've been watching fighting for like 20 years. Every day of the week, you can watch an MMA event from somewhere in the world that has a world-class fighter on it, that has a high-value fighter on it, that just has an amazing fighter on it. You don't need to watch bad fights to entertain yourself. Every day of the week, or every week, there's world-class Muay Thai, world-class kickboxing, other things like international wrestling, sumo wrestling, whatever. Whatever, there's so much good in the combat sports world, you don't have to pretend that you're being entertained. Only watch good fights because it's not worth your time to watch bad fights. If you're a fan of fighting, you don't need to watch the bad stuff. Just enjoy the good fights. There's so much good out in the MMA and combat sports world. So honestly, if you're out here saying Israel put on a technical masterclass and you don't know what you're watching, 
Okay, watch the fight again. I don't care. Waste your time. I'm not going to watch this fight again. There was nothing to get out of it. It was a fine fight. And again, he's under no obligation to entertain us. His job is to win as it makes a difference of 100% on his pay, secures the legacy, all that good, good stuff. Um, And you know what? It, it was, you would have liked to really have an exclamation mark on the end of the week, but it is what it is. Sometimes these things happen. What's next for both of these gentlemen? Uh, what's next for Israel? I bet he wants to get revenge for the two losses that he sustained to Alex Pereira in kickboxing. Now, to be fair, the first loss was via decision, and it was a close fight. The second loss, Israel was dominating the fight. He even got a standing eight count, and then he got knocked out later on, because that left hook is so effective. Check out the top five left, left, top five left hook knockouts of Alex Pereira's career uh, article I wrote with videos and gifs and everything like that. Link will be down below for that one. Uh, but yeah, massive congratulations for Israel. What's next for Jared Cannonier? I don't know what's next for him in this division. Uh, he's a very talented fighter who's cut down from heavyweight, but I can't help but think that we are on the backside of his career. Maybe he's going to fight someone like Uriah Hall and the two can just hesitate to punch each other for a little bit, but both of them are, uh, Kind of really need a win to stay in this division and stay relevant in the discussion. Uh, but yeah, look forward to him. Big fan of Jared Cannonier. Major fan of Israel Adesanya. Love what he's been able to do. He's just a, you know, he puts on a technical masterclass here and there, and I'm not going to watch it again. Like, I'm not going to pretend. Man, if you if you think Israel put on one of the best fights in history, like, we all know that you're just lying. <laughs> like, we know that you're just absolutely lying to everybody you know. You don't need to say those things. Say that you like Israel and you put on a boring performance like the rest of us. It's fine. I like Israel. Anyway. Max Holloway was not able to get it done. He slides to 0-3 in the trilogy against Alexander Volkanovsky. Alexander Volkanovsky put on an absolute masterclass in the third meeting with Holloway. The first two fights were close. A different judge on a different day could give those to Max Holloway. However, they were given to Volkanovski. In this match, Alexander Volkanovski put on an absolute masterclass in what was the most conclusive fight of their trilogy. It's one of the best wins of Volkanovski's career. He he was typically using in the previous fights the step up into low kicks, the inside low kicks to throw off the puncher. In this one, he just outboxed Max. Think about how significant that is, how far ahead these guys are. They're dominant wins in their last few fights, dominating everyone else in their weight class. Max steps up. He's clearly number two. He can beat anybody in this division. And he gets dominated by Volkanovski. Volkanovski is that far ahead of number two. Number two is that far ahead of the rest of the weight class. What an absolute masterclass this was, outboxing Max Holloway. Alexander Volkanovski, the scariest thing, we're looking at his last couple of fights here. He's getting better as needed like he he not only rose to the level of his competition when he needed to he he keeps surpassing it so much more like he took all the notes from the previous fights figured out the timing he was using uh like lots of feints and step-ins just took everything that he had learned from the past fights and absolutely dominated what an absolutely amazing performance I, i'm just i'm so excited for this guy does this put him in the number one pound for pound position yeah it absolutely does oh my god Obviously, it does. This was absolutely incredible work here from Alexander Volkanovsky. I just can't say enough of how cool this was. Uh, what's next for him? The winner of Rodriguez and Ortega is probably next for him, or he can move up and he's called out Charles Oliveira. I don't know. Charles Oliveira has some really good contenders in the division. The problem with uh, Featherweight is that it really doesn't have any contenders that I can see winning. Both Yair Rodriguez and Brian Ortega, as we saw already, definitely lose to Alexander Volkanovsky. He's just that far ahead of the competition. If he goes up to lightweight, 
He is so undersized compared to Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira has a really good eye for timing. He is, he's quite quick and powerful when he needs to be. Uh, defensively, he's not amazing in terms of striking, but he, he knows how to jump to a submission real effectively. So that stuff's real cool. Um, what's next for him? I don't know. Whatever they want. If they want to do a two, two titles for him, that's cool. I don't know if he beats Charles Oliveira, uh, but he beats everybody at featherweight. Charles Oliveira is super good. A lot of other guys that, uh, maybe they'll do like what they did with Max and Poirier, just doing an interim title. And why don't we do someone like Michael Chandler versus Alexander Volkanovsky? Lots of good options out there for him. Sean O'Malley, I pokes Pedro Munoz to get a no contest. Oh boy, we're going to get a little controversial here. This one's going to be a fun one. Did Pedro Munoz want out of this fight? Let's talk about it, okay? Did he want out of this fight? He got eye poked pretty severely, wasn't able to see, wasn't able to continue. They were over the halfway point in this fight. So that would mean precedent usually dictates that because we're over halfway, you can go to a technical decision and look at the scorecards. Munoz was well ahead in this fight. He was clearly winning this fight. Sean O'Malley couldn't do anything in this fight. I'm not going to say that Munoz was doing a lot either, but he was doing more than Sean was. Uh, A lot of people think that Pedro Munoz wants out of this fight because he was scared in some way of Sean O'Malley. No, this guy's fought the best of the best in that division. He's not scared of Sean O'Malley, who wasn't really landing anything. He landed like a few punches. I think he landed 10 punches or something like that. Anyway, so Munoz was winning. We're over the halfway point. Did he want out of this fight? Well, let's say you go to a technical decision and he wins. Again, that is worth a 100% increase in pay for this man. Would you have taken that same thing? If you could do something right now to increase your pay by 100%, would you take it? Because that's what Pedro Munoz may have been trying to do. He wasn't scared of Sean O'Malley in any way. I think he was just trying to get a bigger paycheck. Now, the eye poke was quite severe. It was way up in his eye. Like, he has a detached cornea as of today. But let's talk about eye poking a little bit more in MMA. I wrote an article last year about, and I'll put it down below, uh, after Bilal Muhammad and Leon Edwards about, but maybe we need an eye gouge reform in MMA because the rules are a little bit spotty here. We were over the halfway point. Why wouldn't we go to a technical decision? Well, precedent sometimes says one thing, and then another time it says something completely different. So let's compare a few of them. If a fighter cannot continue, sometimes that's a no contest, like it was with Bilal Muhammad, Leon Edwards, and this fight. Sometimes it's even a TKO win for the person who eye poked. So person gets eye poked, can't continue. Well, if you can't continue, you lose. That's happened with Megan Anderson and Kat Zingano. It also happened with Anthony Johnson and Kevin Burns. Kevin Burns officially won TKO eye poke. So sometimes that happens. Or it's a technical decision because we're over halfway in the fight. Fights like Bisbing Belcher or uh, Oven St. Prue and Gian Ballon. So we don't really know, but we need better exact rules on what the hell eye pokes even mean. What happens with an eye poke? If the fighter can't continue, sometimes it's a technical decision. Sometimes it's a no contest. Sometimes it's a TKO for that person. Let's define what the hell's going on here so fighters understand. He got 100% less pay, even though he rolled the dice. In a fight that he was winning. Wasn't an amazing fight. Wasn't an amazing performance. But he was definitely winning the fight. Um, okay, let's move on to Alex Pereira. Wins via left hook knockout. Now he's aiming for a trilogy with Adesanya. He's won the first two bouts in kickboxing. Uh, he's knocked out Adesanya. The only time in Adesanya's career that he's ever been knocked out was against Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira's left hook 
is so ubiquitous. He's got dozens, or he's got quite a few knockouts in kickboxing with it. He's got multiple knockouts in MMA with it. His one professional boxing bout was one via left hook. Uh, is just a, a, he, this guy knows what he's about. He's an amazing striker. He's a crisp, crisp striker. And Sean Strickland played the worst game plan you could. Walking right in, no feints, no setups. Alex Pereira didn't even have to get very deep on his setups. He he threw the body jab a few times. He threw the jab a few times. Alex Pereira, or sorry, Sean Strickland was reaching to block it because that was working before when you're throwing a body jab and then he's transitioned to a left hook. Easy peasy. Easy peasy stuff. Yeah, against a world-class former double champion in glory kickboxing, maybe just take him down. If you just did a boring lay and pray decision, we'd be talking about Sean Strickland versus Israel Adesanya and their dumb BS. There you go. And their dumb BS trash talk. Man, could you imagine how dumb that trash talk would have been? Like, we would have, for six months, we'd have to listen to Sean Strickland talking about masturbating to cartoons. Who? Oh my god, just just put me down now i couldn't stand listening to it but instead we get alex Pereira, uh just barely talking and israel adesanya talking about being froze man <laughs> this is the thing of like i like fighting a lot of the drama and storylines around fighting are kind of dumb i just avoid it at all costs i'm looking forward to this fight i'm not looking forward to the trash talk in any way robbie lawler was winning until he lost sucks honestly robbie lawler great guy Really one of the better champions in welterweight history. One of the most entertaining fighters in, in in the history of the sport. Probably deserves a Hall of Fame spot. Big fan of this guy. Uh, I'm sad to see him lose, but I think a retirement's next because Brian Barberina is a pretty okay win. In a competitive welterweight division like we have now, both of these guys are going to be rising to the top five. Uh, so, sucks to see Robbie Lawler lose. Jalen Turner. Keep your eye on this young man. He gets a big win and an impressive performance at UFC 276. A little phenom going in here. Uriah Hall struggles to get out of get out of his head against Andre Mooney's. And, I mean, he defended all the submissions and stuff, but he mounted, like, negative offense. Like, absolutely no offense in this fight. Macy Barber retires Jessica I. When, you know, people aren't a fan of Jessica I. And I get it. She's a bit corny sometimes, often. But you know what? In the cage, win, lose, or draw, Jessica I was always entertaining. And reflecting back on her career, she made that division quite fun sometimes. So, Jessica I, I wish you all the best in your retirement. Um, she said she wants to go to WWE. This is, again, like what I was talking about. Sometimes she says corny. Whatever. If you want to go to WWE, do your thing. Um... Julia Stoliarenko broke the arm of Jessica Rose Clark. That's what I'm all about. If the person doesn't tap, fuck them. Just break their arm. Absolutely love it. Uh, Julia gets her first win in the UFC. That's a little bit rough because I'm not sure she's going to rise much further. If she keeps applying those fast, like transition to armbar, amazing. We'll see what the future holds for her. Uh, that division is starting to thick up a little bit, and that is lovely to see. Uh, Jessica Rose Clark needs to take some time off as she needs to recover her arm. She has arm surgery, so she probably won't be back until next year. Hopefully she takes some time. She has some very good skills, and she's a good prospect. Uh, I, I think while this is a setback, her career can still rise to a top five to contender in the next couple years. Anyway, let's move forward a little bit. Upcoming, we have the Battle of Hafiels. We got Dos Anjos versus Fiziev. That's a great fight. Looking forward to it. I think Fiziev is going to be one step ahead in this one as Rafael Dos Anjos is definitely at the other side of his career. Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez. I can't believe... I, I'll believe it when I see it. If both of these guys are standing in the cage, I know the fight's going to happen. But until then, 
all these guys are always out due to injuries or other things, so I'll believe it when I see it. But if the fight does go ahead, that's great. Yair Rodriguez probably wins. Uh, we also have 1159. The double champ Rainer DeRitter will be defending his championship against the former middleweight champion Vitaly Big Dash. Vitaly Big Dash just completed his trilogy, defeating uh, the former double champion Angla and Song, the Burmese Python. Bellator 283. We have Pitbull versus Outlaw. I don't know what that is. We have Pitbull vs. Outlaw, Bellator 283. That same weekend, we also have KSW 72. And that weekend will be, uh, last mark on it, will be Aspinall versus Blades at UFC London. I'll be there live. That'll be a fun one. Uh, a couple of quick notes. We have Badahari versus Overeem was officially scheduled. It's only a, a trilogy with like 13 years in the making. Um, all of their fights have been linked in the articles at MMA Sucka, and I'll try to include the links down below so you can watch the, their first two fights catch up on the stories of how we got to here and then that fight will be later this year we also got booked and i haven't got a t chance to talk about it on the show so i want to cover it off rico verhoeven versus hesdy jurges uh rico verhoeven's like the 10-time glory heavyweight champion in kickboxing is this a good fight versus hesdy jurges no it's not anyway uh lots of good stuff coming up in the combat sports world like i said you don't need to watch bad fights just watch good fights why are you wasting your time with that kind of stuff watch good fights folks from Tim Wheaton here at MMA Saga. It's just a quick one. Just wanted to hammer out some, some points and thoughts that I had for you folks. Tim Wheaton from MMA Saga here. Links will be down below. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully with my partner, Fraser Crone, because otherwise it's hard to talk to yourself. Folks, appreciate your time.